What's up, everybody? It's Han. You're listening to Han Talks First. This is episode 19. Today, I'm going over my Star Wars Galaxy's Edge review. I just got back in town from Anaheim yesterday, and I'm going to talk all about it. In addition, I'm going to share some of my most recent Star Wars theory on the rise of Skywalker, something I briefly touched on in my Instagram story, but I'm going to dive into it today. So here we go, episode 19, Han Talks First. Okay, so last week I didn't get to talk about the new Star Wars teaser that was dropped at D23 because uh, the D23 people got to see it on Friday, but the rest of us had to wait till Monday. And as you all know, I dropped my episodes on Monday, so I could not release it in time. So today we're going to talk about um, a breakdown of that trailer uh, since I was a little late. Now, I didn't drop an episode this Monday because it was Labor Day and I had just... Uh, drove back from Anaheim, so I'm going to review Galaxy's Edge as well. And I got to tell you, when they had the press visit Galaxy's Edge before it opened and they gave their reviews and talked about it, they did a terrible job because there was so much more to Galaxy's Edge than there is written on some article on IGN or Variety or something like that. And the promotion for the park really doesn't express how magical and immersive it is to actually be there. So I'm going to dive in and actually give you guys the goods and talk about it because, uh, oh man, I had a, it was, it was a great experience for me and for any Star Wars fan, if you go. <clears throat> but let's jump into some of the most recent news for today, shall we? So not much drop this week. Um, <clears throat> we got some interviews from the Mandalorian cast talking about their experience, and there wasn't much to take away from that except that they're all really excited and that it feels like a new universe, which is interesting. A new universe inside of the Star Wars galaxy. So we'll see what that means comes November. Uh, we did learn a little bit about the new uh, head of the Stormtrooper regime. Uh, excuse me, I forgot his name. Um, but he was talking about how the reason why the Empire is still involved is because uh, there's little factions of uh, what, what's left of the Empire. And his group, you know what, let me just look up his name really quick. But his group is a a small band, and they want to set tax taxes on the bounty hunters because they are kind of messing up the order of things and they want to tax those bounties so they can make some profit from it because they're kind of going against since the empire is kind of destroyed they just kind of want to invade that and see if they can take any of what's what's left of <laughs> their their broken down empire so uh let's see moth Gideon, Moff Gideon, that's the guy. So he's the head of this new 
small empire regime uh, uh, of the fewer enforcers that are left. Um, and of course, we had notes from Taika and Kathleen Kennedy and about Cassian Andor and stuff. But really, there's no news. News. Nothing has dropped. That's brand new information. Uh, so, but I will do a breakdown of the Rise of Skywalker trailer number two, teaser number two. I don't consider this a trailer uh, because it really shows nothing about what's going on in uh, in the new movie. But so. I really love this teaser. It started with really encapsulating the idea that this is the final chapter of all nine movies that we've had before because it starts with the twin sons and Luke Skywalker looking out from A New Hope. It goes to The Empire Strikes Back, Return of the Jedi moments, and then it also showed the prequels, which really made me happy. It's funny to see how the tone shifts dramatically from the three separate trilogies, including the sequels. Um, but I think that's what makes Star Wars fresh each time because it, it, it shows that you can tell new stories in a limited galaxy. So it showed all the previous movies leading up to The Rise of Skywalker, one through eight, and then the first glimpse of new footage that we got was the three amigos, Ray, Finn, and Poe, and then Chewbacca and C-3PO, <clears throat> standing on some hill... And with the Millennium Falcon in the back right corner. And they're looking out over what looks like a Burning Man festival. <laughs> um, they're obviously on Batu, And uh, it looks, I don't know, they look kind of nervous. Maybe there's like a threat coming their way. And they want to warn these uh, locals about what's going on. And it's kind of sad because they're all just having a good time. Um, throwing smoke bombs and celebrating something. I don't know what. Maybe they're celebrating that. Uh, Snoke is dead. Uh, I don't know how they would have known about it, but maybe they think, oh, Snoke's dead, then uh, the First Order is gone. We don't have to worry anymore, blah, blah, blah. Uh, little do they know, some uh, Star Destroyers are coming, and they're going to blow up their entire home world. So sad for them. Um, the next shot we see is Carrie Fisher in a jungle setting. And this shot really looks great. I, when I first saw it, I actually didn't catch it, as sad as that is. I saw a screen grab of someone sharing it on Instagram, and I was like, was that, was that in there? And I went back and saw it. It's so quick. That makes me sad, but <clears throat> she looks beautiful, as always. Got a new hairstyle. She's always has fun, creative hairstyle, similar to her mama, Padme Amidala. Padme Amamama. And then the next shot we see is of the what is left of the resistance. There's like there's like 20 ships here. But what's really cool about it is we got A wings, we got B wings, we got Y wings, we got X wings. And uh XYZ QWSRT whatever. All the wings are there. And uh it also shows the what I think is the original blockade runner from a new hope. It's the last ship to pop up. But this shot's really cool cuz it shows all those collective uh, styles of uh, resistance vehicles coming together, spaceships. I'm curious as to what they're going up against. Now, it looks like they might be going up against this fleet of Star Destroyers, but the contrast in uh, the colorings, the ones during the day, ones at, or ones at sunset, ones at a thunderous night sky, 
but this is a badass shot too. Um, and they are Star Destroyers. We have not seen Star Destroyers yet in the sequel trilogy. So this could be what I talked about last week from a fleet of old Star Destroyers left in the outer region. <clears throat> and on board are the Sith Troopers. So once they go to the remains of the Death Star, they activate something accidentally, and that brings in the Star Destroyers carrying aboard the Sith Troopers. Again, just speculation here. And then we see Finn and Jana on what I would assume is the Millennium Falcon with an unknown pilot behind them, but they look kind of kind of startled. Maybe they're noticing <laughs> these Star Destroyers showing up, and they're like, oh my god, this is insane. What are we going to do? We got like 20, they got like 200, and it uh, looks... I don't know. Uh, I would love to see what they're looking at. There's a lot of reactions in this trailer. They're all kind of doing like that, oh my God face, but we don't know anything of what they're looking at. And then next we see C-3PO with the red eyes. Some people are calling him Creepio. Uh, I don't know what this could be. I made a post on Instagram joking it was him activating instant kill. And his suit is made from Stark technology. So that's what happened there. But... I do think this is related to a clip we saw in the first teaser where BB-8 and Dio are kind of turning their heads. I think they turn their heads because they see 3PO with the red eyes, something activated inside of him that made that happen. And they, they kind of like turn their heads like, what's going on, daddy? And um, anyway, that could be wrong, but I think that's what Dio and BB-8 are reacting to is see 3PO's red eyes. Following that, we see... An explosion hitting a snow planet. Um, not sure where this is or what it could be, but it's not Batu because that's a desert planet, unless there's an opposite side of that planet that is covered in snow. Kind of cool contrast there. Next, we see Ray force training, I think, force training in uh, the jungle that Leia was at, which could lead to my assumption that Leia is actually training Rey. So this is might be a flashback. And this could bring ties together to show how she had force powers in The Last Jedi. Because if you guys remember me saying, the reason I would be okay with that scene is if it was justified that she was training herself to use the force. And it didn't just suddenly happen, awoken her like it did in Rey. Um, that doesn't work with Leia. So I think off screen, she was being trained by Luke in the ways of the Force, similar to how it happened in the Heir to the Empire novel, <clears throat> which was an old legend material, but is kind of coming back into canon form. So I think she's Force training. She's got a red bandana on her arm, which I think could be Poe's. I'm not sure about it, but Poe has a red bandana as well. Now, I don't know why she would be using that for training, but she also has her staff or a stick in the other hand. Uh, I don't know what why. I mean, it looks like she's trying to train with both. It could not even be training at all. I have no idea. Maybe she's fighting off some Ewoks. We'll see. Go check out my story right now. I posted a, a video of Ray swinging that Saber going through trees and it's flying through the forest and it slices Yub Nub in half. <laughs> it's so funny. 
The next shot we see is Kylo Ren walking away from his star, his uh, his ship, and he ignites his lightsaber, and that transitions into him fighting Rey on board the remains of the Death Star one or two, and there's giant waves flying around them, and they're in a deathly fight. I don't know why or what for, how they get there, no idea. But it is the Death Star because you can see one of the turrets. Um, aside the trench. So that's a cool tie-in. I would love to see them go inside of it. That'd be cool. And then, of course, we get to hear Palpatine actually speak in this one, and he says, (coughs) Your journey nears its end. That was a terrible impersonation. And then it cuts to Razy Diddly wielding a double-bladed red lightsaber. And... Then it just cuts away, and it says Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker, coming this Christmas. Guys, <clears throat> this is a mean teaser <laughs> because it showed a lot without saying a single thing. Now, there's a lot of um, theories out there that that dark side ray is a force vision. I think that's bullshit. Why would they put that in the trailer? That's just so rude. It's got to be a part of the movie. There's, I know I posted on my Instagram that Ray is a vision, and but I used it as a joke because of that Marvel character vision. <clears throat> I think, and here it comes, this is what is my theory on what's going to happen in The Rise of Skywalker, that dark side Ray is Ray, but there's also the Ray that we know. There's two different ones. I do believe Ray is a clone of Luke. In female form, obviously. She's from Jakku. We know that the Emperor had uh, these observatories on Jakku where they did little side experiments. We don't know what on, but Jakku is a really important uh, location for the Emperor for some reason. And I think all of the versions of Rey were born from Jakku. The one that didn't work was tossed into the the sands of uh, Nima Outpost, where she was. Uh, because she wasn't, she didn't show any promise for being a, a good apprentice. And the one that did make it was the one that we saw in this trailer. And I also think that we saw that dark ray before in the first trailer. I believe that the dark side ray is the one that's flying that cockpit. That is the one that the good ray leaps over. We don't see the face. We just see the hands. It's to be assumed that it's Kylo Ren. But what if it is Dark Side Ray? And what's going to happen in this movie is Good Ray and Bad Ray fight each other. Could happen. That would explain why in the Force Cave on Ock 2, when she asked to see her parents, it just showed um, thousands of versions of herself. So I do think she's a clone. And I think she's a clone of Luke, not of Palpatine like everyone's saying. Uh, there's a theory that just dropped <clears throat> saying that it's confirmed Ray is of lineage to Palpatine. I don't believe that. I, I, uh, I don't know. That just seems too easy. Uh, I like the idea of clones. Clone, cloning in movies is becoming really popular. And it's also funny because it kind of parallels with the new Jurassic Park franchise that's going on, Jurassic World they took that clone direction as well 
I mean, they did from the beginning, but as far as like human clones, the girl in the second Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom was a clone of um, her uncle's fiance or something like that. I don't know. But it's funny how those two movies were like the big movies of 2015 and they were kind of going head to head to each other. And now they both kind of running along the same ideas, which is, it's kind of cool. But anyway, that's my theory for the rise of Skywalker and everything. I'm going to tell you a little bit about my experience with at Batu. <clears throat> so first of all, you walk through Frontierland in Disneyland and you walk under the tunnel and it, the tunnel slowly transitions into a prospecting tunnel into a, a Star Wars themed tunnel. So the transition to it was cool in itself. And then you get there and it opens up into these two giant archways, one going left and one going right. And <clears throat> it honestly felt like you're in Star Wars world. And it was, it was incredible. I mean, the pictures you see don't do justice. You have to be there. You have to see it. You got to live it. There's so much detail in this park. It's insane. When I got there, I first stopped by the, uh, <clears throat> if you go to the left, there's this giant, um, meat cooker that is cooking uh fake meat on it with the engine of a podcast of a not podcast <laughs> a pod racing engine is cooking the meat in this little small cafeteria and they had breakfast there and it's cooking these little tiny versions of the shayax from uh episode two those that thing that with, with the giant butt that was in the fields with Anakin and Padme when they were having their little moment. <clears throat> At least I think that's what that is. I don't know what other creatures in Star Wars got a giant ass except for uh, uh, that little singing creature in uh, <laughs> Return, <laughs> Return of the Jedi. Um, but that was really cool. Everything, the animatronics are really good. I didn't get to see Hondo. I saw him on video, but I didn't see him actually there. I was a little disappointed, but I'm going to get there. Um, and then I went down to the Black Spire outpost and I walked around the shops and I wanted to buy everything. It was so cool. They have a bunch of stuff hanging from the ceiling. Every There's so much detail in this park. It's insane. But that's where I was first. <clears throat> and I saw they had the instruments from the cantina in A New Hope. You could buy them, and they're actually um, made to give off the sounds that you put over the correct holes. Um, the closest thing I can relate it to is a, is a recorder, but if you like hold the bottom button on its its uh, its uh, B, and you can play actual songs as if you were playing an actual instrument. It, it's really cool. I really wanted that. I forgot to get it on my way out. But they have two different instruments from the Cantina Band. So that, that was really cool. I did not expect that at all. They have tons of plush toys, which look like collectibles. Um, tons of um, like swag gear that say like Galaxy's Edge on it or Black Spire Outpost. <clears throat> but um, <clears throat> it's so hard to walk through there and not want everything. You could also buy your own puppet of Fallacious Crumb. And you can control his mouth and his head. And I thought that was so cool. It's like you can buy your own 
version of that in that was in the return of the jedi so cool um uh, the thing i did next after i ate some shayak was i went down the hallway and i saw the millennium falcon for the first time that blew me away i don't there was like no one taking photos of it there was no one in that area it kind of blew my mind <clears throat> but it was so cool to see it up close for the first time it it's real the pictures do not do it justice. You got to be there. It looks so different. It looks so much better. <clears throat> One of the coolest things I've ever seen in person. And I'm going to talk about the ride itself, but I want to give you my little tour of walking around. After that, uh, I did a loop around Galaxy's Edge and I saw they have Kylo Ren's ship from The Force Awakens. And they had a little. Um, a little skit set up where Kylo Ren came down from it with two stormtroopers and um, a first order commander. And they were talking about how they needed to find someone in the crowd who was like smuggling uh, plans from the first order. And so they actually got down from the stage and they went around the all of galaxy's edge and they were interrogating people in a playful manner but it was really cool, and the costumes are, like, movie quality. They're insane. They've, they're have they selling them for about $6,000 each, six to $10,000 each. They buy an actual costume. So I would imagine that those costumes that they're walking around in on set are roughly the same cost. But they have <clears throat> the ability to communicate with the people by using voices of the stormtroopers and talking like Kylo Ren. Captain Phasma was walking around too, and it was, she interacts with people. She, she can have conversations with people, and it sounds like she's actually having a dialogue and not just um, using pre-recorded audio. It was really cool. The theory is that there's a mic in there, and someone off campus is, like, watching through a video and, like, controlling what she says by pressing buttons or something, but I don't know. It's incredible. The costuming and the interactiveness of the Stormtroopers, Captain Phasma, Kylo Ren was amazing. I followed them around a little bit just to see what they were going to do, and they just talk to people and interrogate them and pull them out of lines and, like, ask them if they know, like, this person, or they're like, what are you, what are you doing here today? Like, are you obeying the laws of the First Order? But the theme is that all of Galaxy's Edge is under the <clears throat> command of the First Order, and everyone visiting are <laughs> like secret uh, resistance uh, spies or fighters, and they're walking around trying to get you to admit to that <clears throat> title. And I don't know; it was just so cool. I really wish one of them would have come up to me and said something. Is it was cool to see. Now, let's go. Let's jump into the the ride itself, the Millennium Falcon ride. I got in line, and I I went into the single riders lane. So if you want to see Haldo, I mean Hondo, sorry, <laughs> if you want to see Hondo, the animatronic version, you have to go into the regular line. That's what's a little disappointing. I didn't know that, so I went into the single riders line. And you walk through this 
mountain, I guess, the, the mountain behind the, uh, uh, the Millennium Falcon, and they take you up and they give you a, a, uh, a pass that tells you what your position is on the, on the ship. I was an engineer, unfortunately, so I didn't get to do really anything. There's two pilots, there's two gunners, and there's two engineers. The engineers are in the back. And if you're an engineer, uh, you're not going to get to do much. So try, if you go, to get either a gunner or preferably a piloting seat. Pilots really get to do all the good stuff. And once we walk through the main door into the Millennium Falcon, you actually see the inside of it for like the first time. And it's so cool. It feels like you're in the movie. They have like the little uh, chess game with the round table. They had the, the uh, what is it, the infirmary bay where like anyone who's ever been hurt in the movies they sit on that chair they had that they had the training uh sphere that luke used to train and it was it was literally like being there and then you walk through the main hallway and you enter the cockpit of the falcon which was really cool and the ride itself was okay um you have to follow this train that is transporting triaxium and you have to hijack the train essentially and steal the hydraxium and bring it back to hondo so it wasn't what i expected i expected a kind of like a tour through uh, more of like a star tours ride a tour through the galaxy and you're not really you're, you're kind of there by accident through all of the the battles and space wars that are going on. Um, but it was okay. It takes you out of Galaxy's Edge, so you, it kind of feels like you're actually leaving where you arrived, similar to most Disney rides. And um, it was really quick. It probably wasn't even five minutes long. Um, when you're the engineer and you're in the back seat, you're also elevated, so you can't see the entire screen. And the beams of the uh, window of Millennium Falcon kind of block some of your view. So it's hard to, it's really hard to see everything that's going on on the screen. Now, I don't know if that's the same for the pilot. The two pilot people seem to be having a lot of fun. Um, and they also got to fly the ship, which was really cool. But I think just because I was in the back and I had one job to do and just push like two buttons throughout the whole the whole ride. And when you push those buttons, you have to turn away from the screen so you miss some of the action on screen. And that was a little disappointing. Over I mean the ride itself was okay. I would do it again, of course. Um but the ex the experience of walking through the Falcon, seeing it up close Sitting in that cockpit, that's the best part. So the, the actual ride itself, mm, it's kind of like every other ride at Disney. It's just the fact that you're inside the Falcon that makes a difference. Shortly after that, I went to Olga's Cantina, had some blue bantha milk, which was really good. It came with a sugar cookie. I highly recommend that if you go. It's non-alcoholic, but it's amazing. Uh, most of the people in the park were there. I was kind of sad it wasn't modeled after the cantina we know and love from A New Hope. 
but it was still good. And you have to make reservations if you decide you want to go to Alga's Cantina, by the way. Um, after that, I, did, I went through some more of the shops. And so here's where I was getting kind of scared. So I went through, like, all the shops first before I went on the Millennium Falcon ride because I really, my main goal out of anything I wanted to do, whether it was Galaxy's Edge or Disneyland in general, I wanted to get a lightsaber. I wanted to buy a Mace Windu official Star Wars lightsaber. That was my main goal. And what's weird about Galaxy's Edge is there's no signs anywhere. There's a sign for Black Spire Outpost, and that's it. There's tons of gift shops. Galaxy's Edge is essentially a giant gift store and um, a huge outlet mall for Star Wars. So I went through all the all the doors and stuff like that just trying to find where they kept the lightsabers, and I couldn't find it. It was so hard. I asked people for directions, and they would... This The first lady I asked, she was like, oh, you're going to go up those stairs, make a right, and then uh, it's the second door on your left. And I was like, okay. And I went that... I followed those instructions, and I wound up in the droid... Uh, making room where you make your own droids, which was really cool. I would have done that, but they sold out of personality chips where you could make your own personality for your droid. So I decided, eh, it's not worth my my money. But it did look really cool to be able to pick uh, different parts of a droid from the conveyor belt and create your own. They also had stickers you could put on it to give it its own look. Um, You could build its own head um, but what was most important to me was that personality chip, and they sold out, so I didn't get to do that. Um, and they roll around by remote control or slide around if it, you get a, like an R2 unit. That was really cool. Um, but I feel bad for most of those people because they, most of them didn't get droids to like make sounds or anything and or uh, because of that personality chip. But if I go again, I'll go early, hopefully to get it in time. So anyway... I'm still looking for the lightsabers, and, oh, real quick about the droid department. You can also buy, I should have bought it now that I think about it, you can buy a um, <clears throat> a uh, restraint bolt, like the one that Luke put on R2 when he first got him. I thought that was really cool. It's a magnet that you put on your droid. I really wanted to buy it, but I didn't have a droid to put it on, so I thought nah, I probably shouldn't. It's only 10 bucks. It was that was like one of the coolest things I saw there, and um, then I saw people like walking around with lightsabers, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, where did you get that?" And they were like, "Oh, it's up there," and um, of course, it was in this hidden doorway. Uh, there's no signs for it at all, and um, so I walk through, and it opens up like like a Star Wars door, like we saw from uh, the Mandalorian, uh, that door to that little bar that they're in which is really cool. And then you walk in, and it was finally the room I was looking for. That's where they have all the cool stuff. So if you're going for that reason, here's what you do. When you walk in, pass front, like you pass Frontierland, go through the tunnel, go to the archway on the left, and then up the stairs, it's the first room on the right. That's where the lightsabers are. <clears throat> now, if you want to make your own, that's in a completely different part. So you're... You would have to go 
up those stairs, and then the first stairs on the right, you go down those ones, and you'll see the line for where you make your own lightsaber. I didn't want to do that because I knew what I wanted. I didn't want to custom make my own. I wanted Mace Windows. So I walk in there, and there was a huge line for people wanting to buy the lightsabers, and all I, all I wanted to do was look at them at first. Um, and it was so hard to do because there were so many people just jammed up there. And most of them weren't buying it. They were just, like, observing how cool it was. So I got, I get it. And um, I get there, and they had Obi-Wan. They had Anakin. They had Dark Side Anakin. They had um, Darth Maul. They had Asajj Ventress. Um, what else did they have? Uh, I think they had Qui-Gon's, actually. No, no, no. No, no it wasn't Qui-Gon's. But um, I remember seeing in photos they also had Darth Plagueis, but they didn't have that one. I guess they sold out. But I'm kind of glad they didn't have it because I would have bought that as well. And that would have been a very expensive trip to Galaxy's Edge. But anyway, the Star Wars room is also the one where they have the holocrons in it. And they also have the Dwarty statues, which I really I I should have gotten that. It would have been so cool to have on my desk. Um, They also had the jewelry, the rings, the necklaces, what was really cool that I didn't know was they showed, they had like a little display case that showed the Sarlacc pit. And then if you look underneath the ground level, it opens up and it shows you what the Sarlacc actually looks like underneath the sand. And that was really cool because you can't find that online. So it was something interesting to see that you can only see there. <clears throat> anyway, so. Like I said, the first thing I did was I got in line, and I told the lady, I was like, Mace Windu, uh, lightsaber. I'm going to get it. And um, she was like, you, do you want to look at it first? I was like, nope, it's okay. I just want to buy it. And it is, when I first got it in my hands, I this thing is heavy. The hilt, just the hilt is really heavy, like way heavier than I thought it was going to be. So it reminded me of what Mark Hamill would say about the original trilogy lightsabers how they were really heavy pieces of metal and you have to use two hands to to maneuver it so i like that it's heavy it gives that old school vibe to it where it's a really heavy weapon and it has it takes delicacy to operate it and move it around so freely and then they have the option when you buy the blade you have to buy it separately just so you guys know don't expect to go there and buy a full unit so you have to buy it a blade separate, and you get the option of a 36-inch or a 25-inch. I went with the longer one because size matters. No, because uh, I remember in the movies it looked like it was like this huge, um, this huge blade, and I'm a I'm a taller guy, so I thought that would work for me. So I got that one, and as soon as I clipped it into the hilt and twisted it on it makes a sound like it activates it recognizes the blade and then you on the mace windu one you push up on one of the little levers and it turns on and it actually ignites from bottom to top the blade and it turns purple and it was so beautiful it was so cool to finally hold a lightsaber like that i've always wanted one i have the fun little you know target brand ones or like the the really cheap plasticky ones from star tours a long time ago uh, but this one was something else. It's something I'd always wanted. I saved up. I finally got it. And <laughs> uh, you can also buy a belt 
that you can uh, attach it to on on the belt. Um, you can also buy a stand to show it off. I didn't get the belt, but I did get the stand. And when you purchase your hilt, it comes with this display case. And it was probably one of the cooler things that you can get with the purchase of a lightsaber hilt. And for Mace Windows, for example, it comes with a purple Rebel icon. Not Rebel. Well, yeah, it was Rebel. Uh, the Rebel icon, and it's like this long octag octagonal case casing that opens up from the top. And when it does, it has like this black velvet um, uh, piece to it that the lightsaber fits into perfectly. And it's r it's really cool. Like for for the price of the lightsaber, which the Mace Windu one was $130, I believe. Mm, yeah, 130 The stand itself doesn't come with it. you got to buy it separately. That's $25. And that's just so you can display it, just the hilt itself. It will not hold the actual blade, the saber of it. Um, but if you want the blade with it, that's an additional, I think it was $30. I might be wrong, but overall, if you're going to buy a lightsaber with the stand and the blade, it's going to cost you about $200. Now, if you wanted the Darth Vader one, for example, that one was closer to 200 for just the hilt itself. So I think it depends on which legacy character you want. If you want a pre-made lightsaber, they're only doing legacy characters. So don't expect to go in there and find... Ezra Bridgers, or I don't know, um, maybe like anyone that's not like considered like a main character. Uh, luckily, they had Mace Windu's, so so happy it has it. I might carve badass motherfucker on the side of it, just like Samuel L. Jackson did in his. Um, if you haven't known that about me already, Mace Windu's is well, Mace Windu himself is one of my favorite Jedi. And But his lightsaber has always been my favorite, ever since Attack of the Clones, when he first showed his purple lightsaber. Never since then has my opinion changed on my favorite lightsaber. It's the coolest one to me. Uh, it's just so unique. And it's the only one. Uh, what else did I get there? So after I got the lightsaber, I went to go get a holocron. And because that was the next item on my list that I desperately wanted. So I was torn to get a uh, a Sith holocron or a Jedi holocron. And I bought the Jedi holocron first. And they don't come with a kyber crystal. Neither do the lightsabers. So if you want a kyber crystal, those are also an additional cost. The kyber crystal itself, kyber, kyber crystal itself is $15. And it comes with this crystal casing that holds the crystal itself. And the crystals are really cool. I think they have a chip in it, and I'll explain why in a second. So I bought the Jedi holocron, and then before I left, after I left Galaxy's Edge, I did the whole Disneyland park, and then I went back, and I was like, you know what? I got to get the Sith holocron too, because when am I going to come back here? And I'm just going to get them both. So I got the Sith holocron, and... Then I also got a a red kyber crystal to go with that. So I have a purple kyber crystal with 
a Jedi Holocron. I have a red Kyber Crystal with a Sith Holocron. I have the lightsaber, the Mace Windu one, with the blade, the stand, and um, what else did I buy? Oh, one of those little BB-8 Cokes. <laughs> I got one of those too. And I'm going to display it with the rest of my collection because I think it's really cool. So, today I got home and decided to actually explore my items I purchased a little bit more. And I found out stuff about the holocrons that they do not tell you when you're there. And it's really cool. The ho- so the holocrons are 50 bucks each. And like I said, if you want the Kyber crystal with it, it's an additional $15. So the holocron, similar to in Rebels, you... Well, we don't have force powers, but if you turn the sides of it, it opens up and it starts to make a bunch of sounds and stuff. And you can communicate the uh, with the device by pressing secret buttons on the side. It's like pressure sensors. It's not actual buttons. So if you press it the right way, the holocron will start to talk to you. And it just tells you, like, quotes from the movies or uh, ideals of the Force, stuff like that. Uh, Lines that we've heard in Rebels and stuff when they're actually operating these holocrons. And so when I got the, I think I started with the Sith one. Me and my girlfriend went through it, both of them. And the Sith one was saying quotes from Emperor Palpatine. And if you open up the sides of the holocrons, it has like a little, a little uh, casing that you can put your kyber crystal in. And when you put the kyber crystal in, it activates new voices. So that's why I think there's a chip inside of the kyber crystal itself, like a little microchip that identifies what crystal is inside. So, for example, when I put the purple kyber crystal inside of the uh, Jedi holocron, it started uh, uh, voicing Mace Windu, and it was Mace Windu quotes, which was really cool. And uh, the Sith holocron, similar to the Jedi one, if you find the right pressure sensors on it, it'll talk to you as well. And then I thought, well, what happens if I put a Jedi kyber crystal inside of a Sith holocron? So I did that, and it's uh, it kind of tells you like tampering with the wrong uh, uh, it, it t- it's like tells you that you're tempting with dark side and you know don't if you go down this path it, it'll consume you so it really does it matters what kyber crystal you put into it now here's the coolest part if you want to buy a holocron I highly recommend getting both of them and here's why they talk to each other and you can use both the Jedi and the Sith holocron and put them together and create the balance of the force. So what I'm saying is you you put a kyber crystal in each one and you open them both and then you set them on top of each other and then you activate the pressure points and they both sync together and start changing colors and they combine this white aura instead of red versus blue. And so they both turn this slight shade of white and then through both of the mics on both of them 
or speakers on both, it starts talking and it says, I am a force sensitive being claimed to represent the center of the force between the light and the dark side. And that voice is Bendu from Rebels. I think it was season four. And if you've watched Rebels, you know Bendu is that um, that creature that was from Adelon. And he was the one that spoke to Janan, or sorry, <laughs> Kanan, Kanan Jarrus, about finding the balance in the Force. And he helped train Kanan to use his, uh, his disability without being able to see as a a way to like use his disability as an advantage in through the force. And so I did not expect to hear Bendu's voice. That was like something that took me by surprise and it was really cool. And I think depending on how you use these holocrons in different ways with different crystals or whatever, you'll get different, um, different recordings. And I think that's really cool because that's what the whole, point of a holocron is it's for jedi and sith to communicate to one another secretly over time over distance and by using the force so it's really cool to kind of play with that and feel like you're a part of the universe when you don't have to be in galaxy's edge or something like that anyway i highly recommend getting the holocron it was such a surprise i didn't know they did that until me and my girlfriend were playing around with it and we discovered that together and it's one of the coolest things I've seen. And I'm sure they do more things, but we will figure that out when it comes time. So also you can get, uh, for kyber crystals, you can get purple, red, green, blue, yellow, and white. I was debating on getting the white because Ahsoka, and Ahsoka's awesome. But uh, I went with purple because I got the Mace Window lightsaber and red because I have the Sith. Now, I wanted, I also wanted, there is a rare black kyber crystal, which we all know is a source of that uh, dark saber in, from Mandalore. Mand- Mandalore, excuse me. Um, but the trick is, not even the employees who work there know where it is exactly. They have this bag filled with, Uh, dark side crystals and you reach your hand in and if you're lucky you'll pull out a black one so you kind of gotta have a use the force you know if you want a a dark crystal i think that's really cool that they tied that in because it's it's rare to find in the star wars universe so it'll be rare to find in ours as well if you want that so really cool also another fact about the Holocrons. The Jedi holocron can be opened by one person, similar to how Ezra was able to do it. But the Sith holocron, the way it's set up is you kind of need two sets of hands to open it, which is, I mean, you don't have to, but it it's a lot easier if you have two people working it. And it's just like how you need two people to open it in the Star Wars universe. Because the Sith holocron requires a master and apprentice to open up the holocron. And so I think that's really cool that it kind of requires two hands to to open that one. It's just small things like that that I think is so cool. And it kind of ties in with uh, the actual canon of it all. Um, 
but anyway, if if you don't want uh, if you want something from Galaxy's Edge, I either recommend getting the lightsaber or the holocron. I am 100% satisfied with both of those purchases and I wouldn't take it back even though it was a very expensive uh trip uh with the souvenirs and everything. But um anyway, that that's pretty much it for what I bought. Uh you can also I really did also want um the braid, the Jedi training braid that the uh, apprentices wear. They had that. They had black, brown, and blonde. Uh, I, was, I really wanted it, <laughs> but I, I didn't get it. Uh, you know, I should probably just do that naturally if I if I want that braid. That's a little, that's a little nerdy. But um, that that's about it with Galaxy's Edge. I was blown away. You really got to go to really feel it. It really is an amazing park. It's my favorite out of all the parks that Disney offers. And uh, I can't wait to see what else is going to be offered with it as soon, as soon as January comes around when they open up the second ride and the rest of the park. I think it's going to be really great. The Rise of the Resistance ride is supposed supposedly a game changer for all uh, rides at amusement parks. So we'll see, and I'll let you know. One small thing about it is if you're going, don't expect any original trilogy or prequel stuff. It's all based on the sequels. There is nothing in that park that you're going to find that has any other characters or homages to. Maybe like a few things here and there, but for the most part, it's all sequel-based. If you want original trilogy stuff, you have to go outside of the park to Tomorrowland, where they have the hyperspace tours, which used to be Space Mountain, but they changed it to Star Wars, which is really cool. That was a surprise for me as well. Um, and you can do meet and greet with Darth Vader at the Star Wars launch bay, which is also really cool because they have a bunch of the movie props and ships that share a little bit more information about it. And that's... in. That's why they have the Star Wars, Star Tours as well. And there is where you have the uh, the Darth Vaders, the Luke Skywalkers, the Yodas, all the the original lore. And they have prequel stuff there as well. So basically, Galaxy's Edge is all brand new material. And I'm curious to see how it's going to change after the rise of Skywalker. Because right now, it takes place under the command of the First Order. And if the Rise of Skywalker gets rid of that, how will that affect the park? Because they're trying to keep it up to date and canon with the movies and everything. But so far, they do a great job. It's really cool to see how everything ties together. The comics, which they have a Galaxy's Edge comic book. Um, the comics, the books, the movies, everything ties together and is kind of staying linear to the the main storyline of the Skywalker trilogy. Or nine trilogy? Nine to Nintology, I think that's what it's called. The Star Wars Nintology. But, um, and then, I mean, that's pretty much it for my review on Galaxy's Edge. Uh, another, one of the things I really was kind of disappointed at was how the employees aren't yet familiar with the, uh, the product or the land or the lore itself. I found it hard to talk to some of the employees about Star Wars. I'm not sure why. Either the people I talked to didn't know too much about Star Wars or they didn't care. But if you 
say, may the force be with you, I said it to about three people. None of them said it back, which I found to be very interesting. And I think maybe it has to do something about having that religious theme to that saying, may the force be with you, and they don't want to promote like religion or anything. And also, I when I talked to the lady who was selling the hol- holocrons, she didn't know too much about them. For example, I was asking her, is this the one that Ezra uses in Rebels? And she said, well, I don't know who Ezra is, but this is used for Jedi to communicate with each other. And I was like, yeah, I I know. <laughs> but is this the one that um, is from Rebels, or is this from like uh, some comic or something else? And she just told me she didn't know, and she just kept repeating, this is how Jedi communicate with each other. And she didn't, she told me how to open it to get the kyber crystal in, but she didn't explain that it has all these cool effects to it and like interactive things with it as well. And I think it's probably because she didn't know. I don't know. But so that was a thing. And then also the lady who was selling me the lightsaber, um, I was asking her about all the types she sold or whatever, and she didn't really know who certain sabers belong to. So I thought that was interesting as well. Uh, she was trying to upsell me a, a, a Luke Skywalker's green lightsaber from Return of the Jedi. And she was uh, telling me that this was like the latest model and stuff. Like uh, Maybe she was improvising. I don't know. But I don't think she knew what she was selling me either. It was just weird, and a lot of the times when I was asking for directions and stuff, no one really knew where anything was, so I feel like maybe they were all new-ish, but like when I bought all my stuff and then I sent it to the shipping facility where they send it to the front of the park for you so you don't have to hold it around all day, um, it took me going through four different people to figure out where that shipping location was. Because uh, they all told me different places, and one person actually told me that something like that doesn't exist. So I'll tell you right now, if you want to buy your stuff at the beginning of the day and then have it shipped to the front of the park so you don't have to like carry it around all day and it's safe, you go to Kylo Ren's ship, and to the left of his ship is a gift shop. That's where you ship out your items and send it to the front of the store. So there you go. Now you know. But, um, I mean, all the employees were really nice. I'm not saying they were, like, jerks or anything. I just kind of wish they were a little bit more interactive and I could talk with them about Star Wars because that's what I was looking forward to was to kind of, like, express my passion for it and just have, like, conversation with other people about it. Um, And most of the people, the tourists who were visiting the park there, I don't think there were really many hardcore Star Wars fans as there were just casual park goers, which is okay, Um, but it doesn't make me want to just jump out of line and talk to some guy and be like, oh, do you remember when Obi-Wan fought Maul on Tatooine, and it was like the last battle, and like just kind of nerd out about it? It's it's still a little kind of weird to do that in the park. Um, That might change, but Orlando's Galaxy's Edge just opened, and it's doing way better than uh, California's already uh lines are five hours long and uh everything's selling out 
that's the thing here too. You know, they don't have mass uh, production of these products yet. So if you want something, you got to go because they're selling out really quick. Like I said, the personality chips for the droids were sold out, and the carrying cases for lightsabers are sold out. They didn't have any when I was there. Something I really wanted too. But um, overall, the experience is fucking phenomenal and fantastic. And if you love Star Wars, you're gonna love this place. Even if you even if you're upset that there's no like original trilogy or whatever, it literally fe- does feel like you're in Star Wars. Especially that scene in Rogue One where they're walking through the market. That's what I felt the most like I was in. Um, but even if you're not like a fan or hardcore fan of Star Wars, you're still gonna love this park because it does feel like a whole other world, which is really cool. So please, 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 Disney, keep it as Star Wars Galaxy's Edge because I've heard the rumors where if it doesn't do well within the next two years, they're going to turn it into Aladdin Park, Aladdin World, or what is it called, Agrabah. And I really would like to keep it as Star Wars because we got so much more coming, and it's going to be great. And I'm going to try and go January when the new Rise of the Resistance ride comes out. So we'll see what happens. But um, that's all I got for you today, guys. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Sorry I was a day late this week, but um, we'll have plenty more to talk about next week. And may the forest, may the forest, may the forest, may the forest of Endor be with you. Just kidding. Somehow, some way, somewhere this week, may the forest be with you. Do it.